Okay, we're gonna play a little game today. I'm gonna give you a quote and a few fun facts, and I want you to see if you can guess who I'm talking about. Now, this is meant to be fun. <laughs> this is meant to be interactive. So I want you to feel free to shout out any of your answers or any of your guesses at any point in time when you think you know who I'm talking about, okay? Are you ready? Okay, good. I'm glad. First quote. Work hard in silence. Let your success be the noise. Now, the person I'm talking about is an Olympian. See, she's a gymnast. Ah, Simone Biles. Good guess. Here she is. Fun fact about Simone Biles is she is afraid of bees. Yes, she is. All right, great. Next quote. That brain of mine is something more than merely mortal, as time will clearly show you. Oh, good. <laughs> no, but good guess. Good guess. This person is actually from the 18th, 1800s, 19th century. If you're an English major, you will find it interesting that she was Lord Byron's daughter. Does that help anybody? Not at all. And I'll tell you another fun fact. She is the world's very first computer programmer. The world's first computer programmer. And who is she? Oh, yes. Whoever got that is right. Here's her picture. I'm impressed. Ada Lovelace. Very good. In fact, in the 1800s, she really did write the world's first algorithm for a computer. Okay, the next one. I don't care what you think of me unless you think I'm awesome, because then you're right. Okay, so this one, this girl we met in 1976, and she began as a chorus girl. And later, she was in television shows, she's been in movies, she absolutely loves karate. And she's in kind of a, a weird, loving dysfunctional kind of relationship with someone who's green. Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy! Here's her picture! Yes! She was a chorus girl! Isn't that fun? Okay. Okay. All right. I told you it was going to be fun. Okay. Another one. I'm a very strong believer in listening and learning from others. This person is Jewish, she's from New York, and she's a camper, summer camper. Her very first time she went to summer camp, she was four, and she went every single summer after that until she was 18. She's very famous in the Jewish camping world. Okay, no guesses? No, but good guess. Okay, this will help you. She was the very first Jewish woman, the second woman in the world, in the United States, to become a Supreme Court justice. 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg, here's her picture. She's a summer camper, that's how y'all know her, right? (laughs) A fun fact about her, in the Jewish calendar, she died on the very last day of the Jewish year. And it is tradition in the Jewish faith that anyone who dies on the very last day of the Jewish year is righteous because they say that person was righteous enough that you needed them until the end. So we have Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Okay, I have one more, just one more. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. Oh, did you say Leona from Shrek? I love that guess. Not right, but I love it. This is a woman who speaks two languages and she can make her own clothes. You want to see her picture? Let's see your picture. St. Tabitha. Let's read the rest of Tabitha's story. It's in the book of Acts. You can read the story along with me. Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. And then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. So meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. In only seven verses, we learn more about this woman than we know about any women in Scripture. I want you to think about this with me. There are a lot of stories of Mary. And a lot of those stories, we attribute the same Mary to them, but that's us doing it. That is not scriptural. If you read through it, you will see there are like over 13 different Marys. 
And if you read these stories, you learn about all the women that are unnamed. You learn about the women who go to the tomb that stand at the cross. Their names changed, but there's always the other women. (laughs) The hemorrhaging woman, the woman who loses things. And there's how many countless widows who go unnamed. And now we have a woman with a name. And what's more than that? We actually have a woman with a new title. The title is Disciple. Tabitha is the first and only woman in all of Scripture to be called Disciple. The word used in Greek to describe the men disciples, this is the one and only time that same Greek word is used for a woman. And of course, the person that's going to tell us that is Luke, because Luke is really good at including women. Now, you may be thinking, wow, you didn't just read from Luke, (laughs) Marion. You read from Acts. I know that. But guess what? The book of Acts is written by the same person who wrote Luke. So Luke is like book one and the Acts of the Apostles, that's like book two. In the Old Testament, you have 1 Kings and 2 Kings and 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel and others. And in the New Testament, you have 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy and 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and others. But you also have Luke and Acts. They're just not back to back. So just in case you're curious or you don't believe me, you can go home and read the end of Luke and then go read the beginning of Acts and see how they're seamless. And Luke, we know, has always been so good at including women. And so now we have that Luke gives us this incredibly beautiful story of a named woman. And it is so weird and so uncommon that maybe, just maybe, we need to pay attention. Because maybe, just maybe, there's something for us to learn from this woman. So the first thing that we know about her, she sews clothes. She sews There are people here in Chapel Roswell right now that I know that can sew. I am not one of them. In fact, the other day, I very confidently got out my sewing machine that I have not used for four years, and I took about five minutes before I broke it. I was trying to fix this dog toy, and all of a sudden there was like metal clashing. It's a whole thing. It's really horrible. I cannot sew but I respect the many women and men who can. (laughs) In fact, Amber, our vocalist, our violinist, she sews. And every single time I compliment her on anything, she goes, oh yeah, I made this, it's no big deal. And so now in my mind, when I think about Peter going into this place, Peter's in a whole other town. The people go get Peter, Peter comes in and then they take him to this room and the room is filled of 
women. And the women are crying and they're upset. And when they see Peter, you know what they do? They start telling him about the woman who died. And they said, look, she was amazing. She sewed clothes. Like, look at these tunics. Look at these clothes she's made. Look, Peter, Peter, look at the details of my outfit. Peter, look, Tabitha even gave me pockets. You know a girl likes pockets. (laughs) Tabitha is teaching us to show God's love through creative things. Tabitha has two names, which makes us think that she is multicultural. She is probably multilingual because she has two names in two totally different languages. She has a a name in Aramaic. She has a name in Greek. So she has a name within the Jewish culture and she has a name within the Hellenistic culture. So she has a name that her Jewish friends would have called her and she has a name that her Gentile friends would have called her. And so in Aramaic, her name is Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. And yes, if she were in America in middle school, she'd be teased because people giggle when they hear that name. And so please do not go home and call your brother or your sister a Dorcas because really you're just calling them a gazelle, okay? Because in English, that's what that one name means is gazelle. But here you have a woman who lives in the middle between two opposing cultures. She has a woman that is living between two powers, two cultures, two oppositions, and somehow she knows how to stand in the middle and hold them both. So now, Tabitha is teaching us how to live in that gap. We also know that Tabitha is not the only one to have a resurrection story. In the Old Testament, we have Elijah and Elisha who both raised a mother's son. In the New Testament, we have more stories about how a mother's child, a mother's son, and a father's daughter were brought back. And we even know in this story that Tabitha's friends, once she died, they washed her body, but they did not put the spices on her yet. So we know that they were waiting for something. There was a hope And so all of a sudden, Tabitha now is connecting us to God's healing. And without going into too much detail about this, there are parts about Tabitha's miracle story that are atypical. They're not normal. They're different than what you would normally find in a miracle. And because of that, people have begun to talk and have some controversy about miracles and messages and wordings. And somehow within all of that controversy, Tabitha is showing us the mystery of resurrection. And so now 
we have a disciple using creative, everyday things to stand in the gap and show God's healing love through the power of resurrection. And if you only know her from a quote or from a picture, you're going to miss all of it. There was a woman, she was paying $150 a month to medical debt. And she said that she felt like her medical debt identified her because she worked for it, she lived for it, it hung over her head all the time. $150 a month to pay for this debt. One day, she went to the mailbox and she received a letter. And the letter said that all of a sudden she owed nothing, that her debt had been paid. To know her only from that, you'd miss a bigger picture. If you read the AJC a few weeks ago, you know the story. There was a church in Nebraska and there were two pastors of that church who were trying to figure out different ways to connect to the neighborhood because these two pastors felt like a lot had happened in these last two years and they wanted to help and they had some resources to do it. And so these two pastors, they contacted an agency and they used the church operating budget to buy the medical debt of the people who lived in the zip code of the church. It was $1,800 here, $1,500 there, a little bit here and a little bit there. And slowly they did it. And do you know what? The people of the church thought they had absolutely lost their minds. And you know what happened? Attendance doubled and their giving tripled. They're continuing to grow. Did they bring anybody back to life? No. But I promise you people can breathe again. To put Tabitha in a larger context, Luke has one message, and it is very clear that God that created the world is the very same God creating new life through the work of disciples using creative ways to stand in the gap and show healing in the name of God's resurrection. There's another woman I want you to meet. She, at first glance, she's gonna look just like a beekeeper. But to know a little bit more of her story, she actually founded a nonprofit. And through the work of bees, she is now helping people in rehabilitation programs and drug rehab and residential programs. She's helping them find a new life and a way to connect back in and to actually work. I wanna show you on the screens her picture and her story. I think, I, I don't think I've seen people like go to detox, take care of a wound, get themselves housing, 
without feeling that they're worth it. And I think that so many people, their lives experiences have taught them over and over again that they're not worth anything. It's always kind of funny telling this story because it's a story about how as a 27-year-old woman I didn't know that my mom had been beekeeping for like over 30 years and that she'd always had bees in her life. She took me into one of the colonies and just this like such tranquility in that moment and such beauty in the way the bees communicate and work together. Seeing how gentle they were and realizing like I, I want this in the downtown east side. Like I want this like beautiful, serene, idyllic, like countryside moment where I'm just focused on the bees. I just hear the bees. I just smell the colony. I want this in the Hastings Folk Garden. The beekeeping and the gardening, um, the brickling, the painting, whatever we're doing on that day, it's almost like there's, there's so much more that's going on there that then creates this feeling at the end of the day of accomplishment and meaning and contribution. Just like can see it on people, like the pride on people's faces when they leave that garden knowing that we achieved like that really good work today. Having pride in ourselves, that's, that's part of self-worth. And having pride in our communities, that's this like self-worth on this community level. garden looks incredible these years. It just gets better and better. The bees are really healthy and we've founded this society now and yeah, I think we can do it. I think we can make this thing uh, a thing that can last and that can employ people and that can build hope. So now it's our turn. We're the Tabitha. We're the bees, we're the garden, we're the community, we're the church. And we as a church, Chapel Roswell, are strong and we are healthy and we are in a gap. We are the very ones that stand together in the middle between opposing forces. We are the ones between people who disagree. We are the ones within a world that sometimes disagrees. We are the ones within a church that disagrees. And so now we are the ones that are being called to show the power of God's healing resurrection through using whatever creative ways are given in front of us. And so that's who we are. And that's the story that we will go. We are not known for one thing. We're not known for one quote or one fun fact because we are the people that are strong and healthy and we will bring healing back into a church that needs it the most. And so it's our time. It is our time to break out and show the world and show this community and show this church our seven Versus.
You know my favorite part about Tabitha? Who knows what she did after she got up? Amen. Pray with me. Holy and gracious Lord, we are so thankful for your creative presence in our lives. And so draw us closer together now and lead us today to be a stronger community. Bring us as individuals, as a larger group and a more meaningful whole. And Lord, for any hurtful words or for any quick judgments that we have used or made this week, we are sorry. And so forgive us. Forgive us so that we may now listen to a voice and your guidance in a new way. And help us to go forth this week and live in a greater faith, looking for new opportunities in front of us. And this Mother's Day, Lord, we do pray for the many who are embracing a child. But we also pray for the many who are not. And there are many reasons And so use us to hold on to all of the women who are going through any type of treatment, a treatment of IVF or a treatment of an illness or a treatment of mental health. And Lord, put into our paths children who need help and who need homes and who need love. And so Lord, we have a special prayer today for the many people of foster care and the children of being adopted. Make us a larger family, Lord, so that we can be a parent and that we can be nurtured and loved by the children. Lord, on this weekend too, we need reminding. We need reminding of you. And so we ask that you give us a healthy dose of discipline, but also a healthy dose of grace. And so connect us to the many people that we can share that with. And indeed, Lord, we do pray for this whole universal church. And we also pray for the many who call themselves Methodist across this world. We are thankful for the many people who call upon you. And Lord, may we remember, instead of looking at rumors and paying attention to drama, remind us of the truth and reality of what you put in front of us. There is work to be done. And so may we as Chapel Roswell and as this community not be distracted from it. And so Lord, now we are thankful and we give you all that we are. And we ask that that spirit that we know lives in us, may it beat harder and longer and stronger so that we may know you today and every day. Amen. There are many ways that we can respond to worship and one is with our giving. And so we do invite that you give to our UMC through Chapel Roswell and you can give using the ways on our screen. And another way that we're gonna invite you to respond today is we have honey. And so we have all these fun honey sticks and this is just a reminder, just a symbol of how we are called to work together to do amazing things as a community. 
And so during our last song, you are invited to come up as you want to, and you can take a honey stick, you can take two honey sticks, and you can share it with someone today. So in all of that, let's stand together and let's sing with the Chaparral Band.